When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. They have the most terrifying powers ever created. And they are winning. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, happy Friday. It's your Boo Crew. My name is Trevor. And on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to episode 401. A surprise episode because with a movie this good... We got to break some rules. It is the absolutely brilliant No One Will Save You. It's now available on Hulu. It is a spectacular and unique alien invasion experience crafted by creative genius Brian Duffield. We love this guy. We're huge fans. Listen to us gush as Brian joins us to talk all about his adventures as a screenwriter that eventually led to the smash hits The Babysitter, Underwater, Spontaneous. Get inspired by a fascinating look at the process of screenwriting before launching into his new outer space nightmare. Hear about a creature collab with the legendary ADI team from Aliens, Predator, and Annabelle designing unsettling sonics that are breathtakingly chilling. The thrill of Mystique and more. It is an out of this world episode 401 with Brian Duffield, and no one will save you now. Slaying. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew in the Speakeasy Studio is an absolutely astonishing filmmaker whose wild creativity is endlessly inspiring a professional screenwriter who's conceived a slew of the most electric and fun movies ever made each one is refreshing as the next and hollywood feels the same way as much of his work has found its way on the, to the rever- revered blacklist 2017's the babysitter the thrilling award-winning creature feature underwater and the oscar-nominated love and monsters just to name a few In 2020, he made his directorial feature-length debut with another award winner, the wonderfully original Spontaneous, that is a must-see, as well as plenty more exciting projects and surprises on the way. Everything he does is infused with pure imagination, giving the audience the ultimate exhilaration. Ideas collide and careen off each other fearlessly like a fever dream. He is one of the few that truly crafts out-of-the-box stories in the most unique way, and his latest is just that. A young woman named Bryn wakes up to find her home invaded by non-human biologics. We'll just say that. It is the breathtaking No One Will Save You. It's on Hulu right now. We are honored to welcome the person behind it all, the inimitable Brian Duffield. That was so flirty. Wow. <laughs> we, can, we can make out later if you want. Amazing. <laughs> well, congrats on the new film. Thank, Thank you so you. much for being here. We're huge fans. This yes. is a big deal for us. Oh, I'm I'm ecstatic. <laughs> Love talking to fans. That's good. That's good. That's good. Hopefully we're not psychotic ones. So I, I think from what you saw, maybe we are psychotic ones. Uh, but we're going to start at the beginning of your relationship with the horror genre. And I guess what were your gateway experiences uh, film wise growing up? 
not a lot. Um, I grew up, my family was extremely conservative. Um, and they still are. Um, and so horror, there wasn't a, a ton of that, like the gateway horror that I was allowed to watch. I mean, probably Raiders. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, that one sn- snuck in back when conservatives hated Nazis. <laughs> All the face melting and whatnot. Um, but yeah, and like that was like, you know, uh, I remember watching that and being like, that was so much more graphic than, you know, anything else I was allowed to see at the time. I mean, that, I remember um, Star Trek Six. Yeah. With the uh, the floating blood. Um, really being into that. And then, and then Jurassic Park was the other really big one that I know isn't quite regarded as a horror movie but it is yeah and, but i remember it was uh i was ex- like ex- exhilarated by the horror in jurassic park um like i wasn't scared i remember my dad when he told me to see like covered my eyes during a couple parts but i was just like you know peeking peeking through the fingers <laughs> um but then i was always so into it and then um uh for a while there was i had less opportunity to watch anything um and I so I got really into books, and so there's a, a the the Christian Stephen King, uh, who's named Frank Peretti, um, wrote a bunch of kind of Christian appropriate Stephen King type Interesting. things. Interesting, wow! Um, and so I got really into him, uh, and he had like a YA series uh, that was that I remember scaring the shit out of me. Um, I can't remember what it was called now. Um, the first, it was like an Indiana Jones style dad and then his kids. And uh, I think the first book of that series was uh, they are like in like a dig in Iraq and realized they found a door to hell. What? <laughs> and like as a kid, it's been like all that, you know, obsessed with uh, that was in the in the left behind book days too, where everyone was like, you know, if you're not saved, you're going to get left behind. And that, that was very terrifying to me as well. But and the, it kind of worked opposite where the Frank Peretti is the Christian Stephen King therefore made me interested in Stephen King. Sure. Instead of it being like the alternate, I was like, well, I, I want to get to the source of this. Um, and then there's a lot of sneaking in books and reading at school libraries and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So what, what made it Christian? Was it just more morality li- lessons in each of the stories? Yeah. Kind of thing? And yeah. 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 Um, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't read them for like, 20 plus years at this point now but uh it would always like they were like the characters would discuss christianity like part and part of it i believe like the ending with the doorway to hell you know it's getting opened and then the characters are um talking about christianity and christ and stuff but like not honestly not dissimilar to um oh man what's the found footage not is it the last exorcist um exorcism that's exorcism yeah, with yeah. the priest who doesn't believe and yes. then by the end he believes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, that was, it was Christian in that way. Sure. I guess okay. without the lack of belief section. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. so. That makes it, it actually makes it more scary to me because. The, the Christianity yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, that's why the exorcist works. Yeah. I think are a huge part of why you're not bored with the priests. A thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. What do you think that uh, these things did that you saw early on? How did they imprint on your creative vocabulary, per se? I think, well, again, this is probably like the backwards way into it. But, you know, the conservative culture in the 90s, it wasn't quite like satanic panic, but there's a lot of, you know, Harry Potter was such a 
problematic mm. thing for Christianity. Like I remember like my, and I, I shouldn't even just say my parents, like I think Christian culture at large was very alarmed that there was like a pro witch thing out there as if like everyone was going to like, you know, graduate and become witches. Um, but I, I think there's also like the spin of that w- was they, you know, talking about like the deeper meaning in these things, you know, like the, uh, if you play the Beatles backwards, yeah. you hear the satanic yeah. messages yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So I think that inadvertently primed me to get into the deeper meaning of things and, and then not finding uh, Satanism, um, but then finding, you know, how they used genre and horror to talk about, you know, a, a ton of issues, you know, not just, and there are just great pure slashers and, and stuff like that. But a lot of classic horror, which is the only things I could really find at like a video store, you know, there's a lot going on that has nothing to do with horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I talk a lot about like I take if you can take the genre elements out of a movie and keep those characters and their dilemmas. I think all the classic horror movies do that. Like, like Carrie is a great example. Like she doesn't need powers for that movie to work. It makes the movie better. Um, and, and helps illuminate what that book and movie is, is talking about. Um, and so I think getting primed by my family and by church to be like, there's deeper hidden meanings in that. I think that just intrigued me and I wanted to find the deeper hidden meanings cause I was rebellious. Yeah. Um, but then instead of finding what I was promised, I found actual meat on the bone. Sure, sure. <laughs> so what do your parents think of your work now? I don't really no okay Um, no i mean uh it's complicated i mean there's some things where i i know my parents would never you know i have i definitely have a variety of r-rated material um in there um (laughs) they would struggle a lot with i mean i think it's it's kind of a um it's probably just baffling to them more than anything like they they um texted me this week they were excited for me and uh they saw pictures of me at one of the screenings and stuff like that um I, you know I, I i don't know if they watch the stuff but at the same time it's like um i don't it's just so not who they are yeah um that it's not it's not an issue or anything like that it's sure. like i i don't know what another example would be it but i think it is there's like a uh a bafflement of of how I was raised, um, and then uh, you know, and then I'm producing Cocaine Bear, um, <laughs> which, which coincidentally wound up shooting like 20 minutes from where my parents live overseas. Oh no way! Um, oh which is a very uh, you know fun like homecoming. <laughs> I'm like I'm coming home to because I'm making a giant movie and the movie is called cocaine bear but it's based on a true story yeah uh but we don't really pay attention to the true story at all (laughs) so um yeah oh i will say like you know we have like four kids and we raise them all the same and they're all so different and i'm just like how is this possible like you know our second is just crazy and i'm like where does he get this from it's not yeah yeah my kid we my wife and i don't have not like intentionally raised our kids like specifically gendered um or like any of the stereotype stuff mm-hmm. and they are so hardcore like the the girl is like pink princess unicorn yeah. glitter and the boys like dinosaurs lions 
roar. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's like so could not be more. And like, and there's a little overlap. Like he really likes Frozen because his sister loves Frozen. But it, it's like just so funny how like they like are exactly the stereotypes. <laughs> and like, yeah. and for all of us trying to be like, you know, the edgy, cool, liberal parents that are like, we're going to, you know, raise them neutral. And it's like they instantly just. That Gravitate, claim their pers- yeah. personas, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, what did your what did your path to becoming a screenwriter look like? Was it something that you just started doing, or something yeah. you ended up pursuing through school? Definitely, uh, I went to school for it, and I think it, it stemmed out of um, uh, as my family my family moved to Ireland to to do missionary work in ninety five, and so that was like a cut off of a lot of pop culture for yeah. me. Um, I was really obsessed with essentially pop culture before leaving the States. And it wasn't like they were like banning it. It was like, we lived in the middle of farmland Ireland. And they had like, at the time they had two channels on Irish TV, um, and, uh, did not play a lot of anything. And then the nearest movie theater was like an hour and a half away or something. Uh, and then like my parents would never take me anyway. How um, old were you around this time? I was nine. Oh, wow. But I would know, uh, like, I knew, like, The Lost World. The Lost World was the big one. I knew, like, that was coming out, but I had no way of seeing it. Um, and so I think it started, like, having me, and I was very lonely, and just because it's so different from Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, but I, it started getting me into basically writing fan fiction of, like, what I thought The Lost World could be. And this was before internet. Um was really a thing uh and so i got really into that uh without knowing about the fan fiction world and then i think it's like when you play guitar like you start off playing dylan songs and yeah. then you're like oh but these two chords go well together and it has nothing to do with bob dylan and then you sign you start getting into writing your own stuff and so it kind of became that where i was like oh i like i like this and then i remember finding out Knowing about screenwriting because of like the making of Jurassic Park book, uh, and then really loving the idea of, I mean, a one always wanted to be a director, but then no, I had no money, and it's so hard to do anything without money. Mm-hmm. But you can write without money, and so I like with freehand screenplays, um, and then uh, I went to call back to the states for college, where it was it was screenwriting and. And now here I am. The rest is history. <laughs> so I know like along the way, there's uh, a spec screenwriter and forgive me for my ignorance with that. What exactly is a spec writer? Yeah. A spec is a script that you write uh, completely on your own. Um, so like no studio knows it exists basically. So uh, there's the differences of that is like, there's also OWAs, which are open writing assignments where like a studio would, own the rights to Harry Potter and be like, Stephen Cloves, can you adapt this for us? Got it. Um, which is a more common, uh, well, it depends on the, the air of the industry, but it's a very common thing or if people want the job. Uh, and the upside of writing a spec is that you can take it anywhere yeah. uh, and, and try to sell it anywhere. And the downside is uh, everyone can say no. And then the upside is a bunch of people can say yes and then it jacks the price way up. Right. Um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot more creative freedom beforehand. And then you get a little bit of control about like where this could potentially go. If you have good suitors, um, versus if there's an adaptation or, you know, uh, 
Bob Iger has an idea that he wants someone to write up, um, you know, 30 people go up for that job and one person gets it. So it gives you some ownership because you don't get paid if you don't get a job. Sure, sure. Um, so that's essentially what it is. It's Got like, it. You know, you're alone and hoping, you know, your your demo tape makes it. <laughs> right. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Does it have almost that like lotto ticket feeling with everybody kind of doing it as well? Like, yeah, well, a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. Um, uh, just because it it can be such a, a crap shoot. So, sure. and I think things like the blacklist kind of help bring it to the fore again. Like there's times where it just kind of dissipates, um, and then it kind of rises back in, in popularity. Uh, and so, yeah, but there is definitely a, a lotto element to it. Um, but it's, I, I, it's what I've almost always typically done. And I, love it because i also just never really get those jobs that i go up for sure, sure. and i feel like i always have the problem where uh i'll explain an idea like you can also pitch and maybe they'll buy the pitch and then you write it uh and i feel like almost every time i would pitch something no one would be into it and then i would write it uh and most of the time then people would be into it so i was like oh i'm really bad at talking but i'm okay at writing and so you know, I can, I need to make money somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, like, I'm just curious about the, the creative process with, with doing something like that, where you are writing, you're pouring yourself into it. You're toiling over this script. You put it out there. Something might happen. Something might not, but then you go back and you do it again and again and again. Where do you get the drive to keep going? And this is a good one for anyone listening. Who's money. attempting to do it. It's money. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, a lot of it, I'm lucky enough now that it less so, um, but for the first while it was deaf. That was deaf. I mean, I know I love writing, um, but the drive was, I remember I, I, I had gotten my first script had sold, um, which I'd written a ton of things before that. And that was even an older um, script at, by the time it, it had sold. And then I wrote like a new spec and everyone was very excited because I was the hot young thing. Uh, and I remember there's just like a ton of buzz about the, the new spec and I, we went out with it and within like 48 hours, it was dead. Like no one bought it. And then I was terrified. Um, cause I didn't get like, a, I got out of a lot of debt with my first script, but I wasn't, I wasn't like thriving. Right. Um, and, and then it was like, oh, that one didn't sell. Like, what if I have to go back to working at Lucky Brand Jeans? Right. Um, and so that really lit a fire under my ass. Um, and I was just like, I better just keep, like, I was desperate to not go back. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you work so hard to get to that level of, or just any kind of success. And then um, getting to the point, then when you have it and you're like, oh, but it can stop right, right, <laughs> like right. immediately. Um, uh, like, like it's not fuck you money. Um, and so then that, that was a huge motivating thing where I was, I was writing so much um, just because I was like, I, I can't go back. Sure, <laughs> like I sure. was very scared of um, being in debt and it was right after the recession and it was just an awful time to be like a young, a young kid with like no fallback and no, no 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 money like at all yeah. and so i was very grateful that when my my script sold and then very terrified when the second one didn't and then i got really 
aggressive with with writing. Huh. Yeah. All right. We're going to shift gears to aliens. Aliens. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Laura, Laura wants to get right into it. We got to pick her son of a soccer. <laughs> I know. Damn the soccer. Aliens take on, man. Yeah. Let's, let's do the aliens. Let's do the aliens. All right. All right. So okay. we're going to get into it now. Uh, you got to tell us about how you came up with this one. Yeah. Well, it happened to me. <laughs> no, I, I, um, uh, I, in terms of the alien component of it, I, I love alien movies uh it's definitely like a big passion of of mine and then uh i'd always kind of had this inkling of an idea or even just like the nerdy part of my brain with with friends when you talk about like you know if they're out there and are they here already and all that kind of stuff and i've never really bought into like them they're here in hiding because i'm like it, it would be such a monumental achievement to get here yeah that it feels like why why just like hide like you're kind of like that's the hardest thing the humanity has never come close to doing something like that so the idea of like a massively superior species coming all this way and then like you know hiding in the woods or underwater yeah or any of these different things yeah like sphere um uh it just kind of felt more to me and a a lot of alien movies kind of have a lot of the like is it an alien or is it like the the neighbor boys pulling pranks on us right um i think like nope does a really fun way of subverting that idea too um but it also and then you you usually have a little bit of money that you can show a little bit of alien at the end and it's like it's really aliens um and to me i was like if they're got all the way here like they don't care about like personal privacy and like oh the door is locked like oh shit um like they should just walk in yeah. and and that was always a place i wanted to start uh a movie where it's like yeah they got here and they're here and then it's like we don't really care that there's a 20 year old girl in this house like we're interested in what's in the house like we'll walk in um uh and they're not they're not you know hiding or or playing games i love all those movies um but i was like i haven't seen a movie where they do just walk in and yeah. then that's the problem yeah it's terrifying. And I mean, it couldn't all that. I mean, also with what's going on, obviously it couldn't be more topical right. and scary because now, I mean, five years ago, we were talking about this the other night, five years ago, this would still have a terrifying effect, obviously, but it yeah. just rings all that more possible now. Like it did that I veil wrote, of science fiction is disappearing. That's crazy. And it felt more innocent yes yeah <laughs> yeah like it was like i, I was telling someone the other day it's like that there's like the tom DeLong, you know the the blink 182 guy yeah uh and it was like for five years ago he was just a nut job you know everyone was just kind of like well yeah he did he left blink because he's fucking crazy right. it was about like the punchline of a joke for a while and then now he's like yeah told you so and everyone's like yeah tom's like a prophet yeah yeah it's really like, even that's just so deeply changed in the last five years that it's that's, been so that's because uh, uh you know we it was those WikiLeaks yeah. uh, emails. His name pops up in those emails. You're looking at Hillary Clinton and the voting and Trump and all that. And all of a sudden, it's like Tom DeLonge talking to this this general or the head of Lockheed. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's so yeah. crazy. And then, and, like, then, and then the responses are like, we don't know. Instead of being like, right. no, Blink-182 guy. Like, fuck off. Right, like, they're right. kind of like engaging yeah. with him. And then that's when you're like, oh, something's, something's up. up. And then as like the videos were coming out and, and stuff, it was just so... I mean, good for him. 
But so, yeah, the last five years have definitely changed. Oh, things. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is your take on aliens now today? Like this day? Like, do you think because I mean, there's so many theories about interdimensional beings. And yeah. that, David Grush, what he's yeah. saying to Congress and all that stuff. Yeah. I have to believe they exist because if they don't, we're as good as it gets, which is <laughs> bleak. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know if I think I probably lean either in that they're not here yet because like this movie does. It's like, why aren't they just like, why are they shy? Like, yeah. I'm like you show off. Um, and then I or I think it's something like the aliens could be something similar to something like Annihilation where um, they aren't really cognizant. Like they're alive, but not cognizant in like a normal uh, or at least in a human way of thinking of what normal is. And so what I love about uh, Annihilation is that they kind of are oblivious to the fact of what they're doing. They just yeah. know that they're doing something. Um, and I could I could go along with that. But in terms of like uh, them hiding out or like the, the ships, the ship videos are crazy. But like I, I would probably almost lean more towards it's like time travel bullshit than... UFOs like I, I just I, I I'm trying to come up with like a really good reason for why they're just like zipping around the ocean and not engaging right like, it just seems like they're so far advanced like they're it just suggests that they are extremely nice and don't care but they did all the work to get here so I'm, I just don't I don't know I don't I haven't I haven't seen a winning argument yet no I yeah. get it I get it yeah I get it. well I think in 2027 is that what it is Leo that they're supposed to be the, uh, the make, unveiling. Yeah. yeah, apparently, yeah, allegedly, yeah. I feel like it'll be like the JFK stuff, where it's like every time it comes up, they're like, "Yeah, oh, let's add." Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many times is the world supposed to end? And like Remember, the, the, like the, the Mexican the, mummy babies. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't buy into that. For you like didn't a buy it. Second, I, I, I they, did for well, as soon as it, it it was unveiled. I was like, "Oh my god, this is it!" The, the coffins were like, and stuff. That was yeah, but then they look like shit. Yeah. Uh, but then like the way they were like showing them is like they picked them up by like. The waist and we're right. just kind of like doing this uh which i know no one on the podcast can see but, but like i was a like paper mache are, piece of art or something yeah it's yeah. like these are if this is real and people believe this is real this is literally the most valuable thing that's ever been on the planet right and Good point. it's like uh like you take better care of some of the props in your house than they're taking <laughs> care of these uh mummy babies yeah. um and so i was like i don't know guys this feels i'm not sure i'm, I'm on board with with this <laughs> Now, in developing what the aliens look like and acted like, was there a lot of deep diving on your part to, you know, in, in terms of research or was it just kind of what you've absorbed? Yeah, I think more what I absorbed. Um, I think the only thing I actually watched that I hadn't seen before was the McPherson tapes. Um, seen them. Uh, it's, uh, it's like a pre-Blair Witch uh hound footage thing of like uh, there's like a family and then aliens uh land and they're like you know with their vcr camcorder like filming this thing um uh and and someone was like yeah there's a scene where the aliens walk into the house like like how i had been talking about i was like oh fuck i gotta watch this and it happens at the very end and it's it's great it's really great um and it's like a it's like it early 90s found footage so huh. it's like a very different and like a 20 dollar budget kind of thing um 
that was the only thing, but that, that was pretty deep in because I, I told a couple of people, I was like, it starts with aliens walking in the house and they were like, someone was like, like the McPherson tapes. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it was like, I knew I wanted to use the grays because I just really missed them in, in pop culture. Um, like I felt like people had steered away from them mm-hmm. for so long. For sure. And I knew my character was going to need faces to act opposite. Um, and that's such a, you know, great face. And it was just, it just seems stupid to try to like top that face. Um, and then, and then knowing that they were going to show up early, it was like, okay, if it's something recognizable, then I can have a lot of fun with like, you know, adding cherries on top and, and giving them subspecies and all that kind of stuff. And, and I really wanted them to talk a lot. Um, which I feel like the grays never talk in, in, in movies. And so that felt like a really fun opportunity to come up with language and religion and all that. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Did yeah. you go deep on that stuff? Like, is there, yeah. is there a language is all those things actually mean? Yeah. It's not like a one to like, I, we talked about like what they were saying, but it's not like, I never like wrote it out, but there's like repeated, uh, sounds that they or, or repeated, like, music or speech that they make that are repeated for a, a reason. Um, uh, but yeah, that was, that was part of the fun of it. Was, was like, cause I, I also wanted, I felt like a lot of alien movies again, like they're smart enough to get here, but then when they get here, they just are kind of like big dogs mm-hmm. or like, or they're just like boogeymen. Yeah. Like they're not like, these are the smartest things that have ever existed. Right. Um, and so wanting to, as much as I could play with that, well, keeping them, scary too but have it feel like oh these guys are smart motherfuckers how did you come up with their voice it's so scary yeah, it's like terrifying, the, oh man. cool yeah i was like oh. god no that's, and i can't uh, tell where voice begins and score ends like there's a lot of music in their voice it, yeah. yeah um but the the sound design is, is by uh chris terhoon and will files who do all of matt reeves and stuff they just got nominated for the batman um and that was uh, you know it, a movie like this is I think really appealing to crew because they it's every department gets to really show off yeah. in this yeah. movie. Um, and so I think they were just super excited and I would just get like, uh, you know, MP threes that were like five minutes long of just different <laughs> noises. Uh, and then it would be like, Oh, I love that. Like the little like bong bong they do in the movie. Yeah. Like that was in like one of the first ones. And I was like, that sounds weird and cool and musical and, 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 like definitely like when it you would remember that it was said before and then it gets said again and then and then they just kind of built it out from there um and they came up with so much cool shit. like they, they have um one of the things we talked about with the visual effects guys is like the alien kind of uses its fingers like a radar yeah like, so you, you'll see a couple of times it's not like super upfront but like if he walks into a room he'll kind of move his finger around and then he hears or spots or feels something he'll like kind of point and then his body kind of goes after where he points. Um, and the guys were like, oh, like we should put like a little bone rate. So there's like that, like click, 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 click. Yeah. Kind of thing. That's his, his finger like radaring. And like, I was, that was, that came up like late in post. And I was just like, oh, that's fucking great. But yeah, those guys are absurd talented. Oh, so everybody was just throwing in their ideas and concepts. Oh yeah. The whole, yeah. I mean, that's what I love about directing is, is it's just, uh, there, if you, you know, everyone come. You you kind of start building like a family of of repeat offenders um, that you bring so many ideas that are better than what I could have thought of, of on my own. 
And so it was just so exciting to work with Chris and Will or, or Joe Trapanese, the composer, or everybody really. And then they would do something and you're like, oh shit, like that's the coolest. I'm going to get so much praise for this. Oh, you know, <laughs> I was really curious if you were inspired by a Twilight Zone episode. There's an I, episode called The I'm Invaders. I'm such a fucking idiot. I <laughs> forgot all episode? about it. Until someone brought it up a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and then I like the sinking feeling of like, is that where this idea came from? <laughs> um, no, but it, sh- it shares some parallels. And of course, we don't want to reveal the big plot. Yeah. Point. Yeah, but no. I, I was, I, you know, I did like in my, in uh, college, like, you know, that like New Year's Eve Twilight Zone marathons yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and then it was uh, as soon as, like someone said it, I was like, I haven't seen it probably for 20 years, but then they said it, I was like, I knew exactly what the fuck they were talking about. Uh, so I have to go back and just see if I just rip them off. I'm terrified now to go back. <laughs> terrified. Not, not, at, um, not at all. But, but, but uh, someone, yeah, a couple, like two weeks ago, someone said it and I, I, I had that just awful acid in my stomach just being like, oh my God. What have I done? No, you're no, good, just, man. You're good. It felt like a good inspiration, but you know, I'm sure I 100 have seen it, uh, and then just it did not pop into my brain at all, and I'm very embarrassed. But I feel like my memory, like since COVID and since having kids, I feel like my memory went from like 100 to like 20. Oh, like, I do. I'm just this exact same way. Yeah, left yeah, and right. Exactly. So <laughs> I have no idea. Are you taking? Do you have to go? Yeah, okay, Lauren. Lauren's Lauren's taken off for a bit. Maybe she'll come back. When we might still be here. Who knows? Yes. All right. We'll okay. Well, it's been great having you for the uh, aliens. And <laughs> she was so excited to talk aliens with you, man. She's been obsessed. Like she Thanks couldn't, meeting you. <laughs> she couldn't walk dude after we watched this movie. Cause it was everything that she's been thinking about and hearing about for the past like couple months all on screen. <laughs> it was like this, accurate. this is, this is must be what it would be like if this actually nice. is all real. I'll take it, man. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about Joe Trapanese. You've worked yeah. with him before, right? Yeah, on uh, spontaneous. Was this spontaneous your first time? you work with them theoretic so i uh my the only job i've ever gotten um uh that wasn't a spec was i i did one of the divergent movies yes and um which super fun experience uh and everything uh and then uh at the premiere uh i took my buddy dave green was directing uh ninja turtles 2 um and uh he came with my wife and I to the premiere and he was excited to go uh, because he's a good friend, but also because Joe Trapanese had scored uh, his first movie earth to echo. And that also had scored in insurgent. And so uh, I met Joe Trapanese at the premiere for the movie we worked on um, and, and hit it off. Uh, and, and then um, when spontaneous came around, uh, I didn't think I could afford him, so I didn't reach out. And he called me and was like, I know you're finished filming. I, I really want to see it. Um, and I was like, would you do it? He was like, hell yeah. And I was like, oh, well, you're hired. Nice. <laughs> so and then it was and then, you know, our friendship grew from there. Um, and we've everything I've done since um, that I that I've written or directed, uh, he's he's done and will continue to do. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah, and the really score sick. in this one, I mean, it comes on. It's so guttural, yeah. nightmarish, like those swells, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like they yeah, just come yeah, every yeah. once in a while. Like, it's like holy fuck, <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, did he come up with that? Did you sit and how how was that decided yeah, I mean, on? We we we. He's one of the first people to, to read my stuff. Um, 
And uh, so he was always involved. And then we had heard a couple examples of um, composers doing some score before movie starts shooting, um, which is unusual because usually you get like seven paid weeks or something. Sure. And then everyone wants to save that for the end. But because Joe and I are, are now buds, um, he he really wanted to write a lot of music before we started shooting. And then it's a lot of the same themes and, and, and stuff that's in the movie now is, it, it was so useful. Um, especially, you know, and again, this is a show off piece for Joe, <laughs> sure. but, um, so I think he was excited about doing probably a little bit of extra work. Um, but it was exciting because, uh, you know, Caitlin Deaver could hear the score the crew could hear the score, like the head of the studio heard the oh, score. Wow. It's a part of their creative process. It was all yeah, embedded. But then in... it was like everyone knew the tone. Like everyone kind of got like what the feel of the movie was. Yeah. And, and then some scenes changed because I was like, I love how that sounds. I don't know where it could go, but and then it would be like, but it'd be really cool. So there's like a scene where, um, Caitlin's back home and, uh, knows that the aliens are coming back and kind of, uh, grits her teeth and then starts barricading her home. And there's like a very s- smaller version of that. And it's not like a huge scene, but like Joe wrote that music and Caitlin and I were both like, it feels like that's the music for like when this is, would happen, but we did, it's not in the script. And so we put it into the script um, because we were like, well, we got to use that track. Cause it's sick, but it feels like you're kind of like psyching yourself up and it's like, da 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 da. Um, and uh, so it was, it was the coolest way of, Working and I I won't work that way, I won't not work that way again because it just was so. It just made everything so much easier. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's a nightmare for him to be like, and you're going to do all this work at the start as well. Um, but uh, I think it was, I think he had a good time with it, and so I mean, so much of it's in the the movie. Um, like Bryn's theme is Kalen heard that like months before we started shooting. Um, it was really, it was really awesome. That's yeah. that moment. That's after, again, try not to spoil anything because it's such a movie that is so fun to experience knowing as little as possible going in, but there is a, a sound that happens after, um, after a bus scene that sounds like almost like a, a jumping rope. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is that score or is that yeah, that's score? That's score. Yeah. Oh, he has, there's a bunch so cool. of, he, um, he wrote like liner notes for the album and it like talks and I've seen the instruments and uh, stuff. And it's like, they're very strange. And wow. we talked a lot about them being like, like it feeling like organic. Yeah. Um, and giving like the aliens, like uh, kind of like weird, like rhythm, like feel like, and, yeah. like we're time signature kind of shit. Like I, I'm not a music guy. Uh, like I don't know how to talk about music sure. rather. Um, but so it's a lot of strange instruments that he found and, and would fuck with it. Remember, he there's like he went to some warehouse full of like instruments, and they had like a forklift pull down like this strange <laughs> instrument that's awesome. that he like then used. That's kind of like a xylophone, but it's not a xylophone. I don't know what it's fucking called. Um, but it was it was it was cool. But I think that was what was exciting about the movies because everyone was kind of like, oh, we gotta do cool shit, and it was like doing like really like swinging for the fences and doing things that I think on other movies they wouldn't have felt allowed to do and part of that is because that's the kind of director i am but also part of that is that it's not a very chatty movie so everyone was just kind of like well it's you know joe is basic joe is basically playing caitlin's brain 
uh, as the score for the whole movie. And so it's, it's so exciting. To yeah, you're right. I mean, everyone hands, has yeah. to tell, everyone has to tell a story, even uh, the wardrobe, right? Because yeah, of the lack of dialogue, right? Yeah. yeah. Like the wardrobe, that was a huge thing about <clears throat> her character is someone who dresses down when they go out of the house and then dresses up when they get back home, which is, is so antithetical to everyone else. And like almost like the nicest she looks is when she's in bed. Yes. Um, in pajamas. Um, uh, and that being like a very specific character re- reveal, like when you think about like, and you, by the time you finish the movie, like, and you're thinking about like, why is that what she's doing? It makes a lot of sense. Um, but it being like a really fun way to tell that story very quickly, visually where you're like, Oh, she looked fine when she was out. But right. Then she comes home and all of a sudden <clears throat> is dressed up alone. Um, and she doesn't seem crazy. Uh, and so it felt Yes, yeah, so like every department got to tell backstory that's not really explained in the um, text of the movie, but can be talked about at length if you if you so choose. And yeah. that's that part of the mystique that's in the movie as a viewer. A lot of this stuff isn't answered, but you're glued. You almost have um, the audience is forced to have this childlike curiosity about yeah. what's happening. It seems to be. Uh, it's unsettling because everything seems to be out of time. If that makes yeah, sense, yeah, yeah. you know, like when is this happening? Why do people look like this? What, what is their intent? What 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 is yeah. she going to do? And it, it keeps you just glued to your seat. There's this the big element of mystique. Can you talk a little bit about just yeah. using the element of mystique to engage an audience? The kind of magic that that invokes. Yeah, well, it was the idea of. Firstly, you only get you know, like five minutes with Caitlin before shit hits the fan. Yeah. And so she has to really make an impression. And with Caitlin, it's so easy because it's Caitlin. So she makes an impression without all of our uh, bells and whistles. But then she is a very complicated and and interesting character outside of Aliens. Um, And so then it just became a matter of like when you dig into some of the reveals and the backstory is about her. You know, Ramsey Avery, our production designer, um, and I talked a lot about, you know, she is a... 10 year old's idea of what a 30 year old is um, because there was a big kind of gap in her adolescence and um, you know her mom like we had we have very in-depth backstories but part of the movie is that she is self-isolating essentially um, and thinks she will grow old and die in this house and is trying to find a way to feel good and feel happy and a part of that is she's so she's building a world all of her own and it was like, well, that's the, like, if I can't ever leave, like similar to your wonderful house, uh, like I'm going to make it the things that make me happy. And it doesn't have to make sense in a, a 2023 kind of way. And then every now and again, you'll see like a flat screen TV. And I, I joked the other day, it's because, you know, she loves old movies and she wants to see old movies as good as they can be seen, not like on a shitty tube box. Um, but that was the intention. It's like, you know, she's, you know, on Etsy, she's handcrafting a lot of stuff herself. And she's just being like, okay, this is where I will die someday. And it'll probably take months for someone to even find my body when I die. Um, but I'm going to try to make it a world that gives me everything I need so I don't have to go out and and can be happy in this existence. And so there's a lot of that storytelling in that, um, in that house uh, that, again, I think it throws people for a loop at first because you're kind of like, she seems kind of kooky, but not like quite manic pixie dream girl like it's not as and it's not for show like it's it's so insular yeah of a, of a thing um 
And so it takes people a while. And then again, that's never really articulated like, like everything in the movie. Um, but that being like a very specific thing that Caitlin was acting from and that Ramsey was building off of. And then by the end of the movie, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's, it's very big. The example, like where that, that design choice goes, I guess. The Boo Crew will be right back. There are 4 billion people on Earth. 237 are scanners. They have the most terrifying powers ever created. And they are winning. Scanners. Their thoughts can kill. Scanners. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. What does the script look like? Yeah. So, you know, you're wearing a director's hat, a writer's hat, and you have to bring to life, you know, these elaborate paranormal scenes where stuff's flying around the room, refrigerator, this, that, fighting, hiding, ducking, yeah. running. I mean, I get how a director can take that and say, hey, okay, so they fight. The director, right. You know, the director will, you know, choreograph it or whatever, right? But here, you have to put it together in such a way that it's got to make sense to the visual effects people too as well, right? Yeah. So it's like, is it really, is your script really detailed as to what happens in the movie? It's, it's detailed in terms of beats. Um, and so it's a lot of white on the page. And then it's it's the way I, I write. And I wrote write this when it's a, a talkie too. Um, but it's kind of like every line is essentially like a shot or a beat. Uh, so it might be like, you know, she hides behind the refrigerator and then the next line is takes a deep breath. Next line is slowly starts to lean forward kind of thing. So that you're kind of building momentum on, on the page. And then I, I totally throw it the fuck out. Sometimes. So there's a scene where she is uh, paralyzed essentially. And it's um all of the, the whole page just says she can't move um, like without space in between the words, just over and over again. Uh, and then it's in between like every like third line of, of that, like shining madness, it'll say like, and then she sees feet appear and then it's like that. So it's like giving you a weird <laughs> feeling of that, of what the movie, the, for me, the script should feel like how the movie should feel. So then no one's like, it feels so different. Like it was trying very specifically to be like, you know, we don't have dialogue and so it has to be clear. It's like Caitlin is confused about why this is happening. It's not like we're being obtuse. It's that Caitlin doesn't know, so we don't know. And that's part of the terror of it. And so I could even articulate that probably better on the page uh, just because I've been writing longer than directing. Um, but it's like, it's like a 90 page script. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's it's meant to be uh, as as evocative of, of the movie as possible. And then a ton of things changed and got added or, or subtracted but yeah for me it's meant to be detailed enough so that you can close your eyes and be like this is a movie yeah that's one of my favorite scenes you're talking about by the way i freaking oh, cool. loved, it, loved it so much yeah. i wanted to know what was it like watching caitlin uh watching her process kind of tell an entire story with her eyes and body movement and watching your script come to life in that way through her 
I mean, to be there and see that must have been an extraordinary thing. Yeah, it's thing. so cool. I mean, just, I, I love actors. I mean, we were talking about Catherine Langford earlier because of your Knives Out collection. <laughs> and um, I, just, I just love working with her on Spontaneous. And it's like, um, that that's the thing, I think, for writers that become directors. is sometimes like the most daunting part where you're like, I have to fucking talk to people. And on top of that, you have to talk to movie stars. Um, like, I remember I was, uh, I cast Piper Parabo. <laughs> In a spontaneous, and I was very nervous to talk to her because I love Piper Parabo, <laughs> uh, and she's so cool, and it was awesome. But I was just like, I mean, it was the kind of one of the casting things. Like she got cast, and then was I never talked to her until she was in front of me. That's got to be weird, yeah, yeah. So like that, and I, that is not my personality to like talk to people. Um, but um, the the coolest thing about actors is you get to be upfront with them in a way that you usually aren't a, as a writer sure. and you just get to see the magic show. And it's, it's so crazy what these people can do. Um, and it's just like, it just, you just fall in love with acting because it is just like, like I, I would be a terrible production designer, but I could bullshit my way into having a conversation about how it's done. Yeah. Um, would never try to be one, but it's like, it wouldn't be hard for me to like do a, a podcast about production design. Uh, acting is, I'm like, I don't understand. Like this is as alien to me as an it comes alien from, It be. seems to come from nowhere. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's so baffling. Um, and, and Caitlin is so good. So there's that where it's just like every day you're like, well, I, there's not, you're not, uh, and I've been so lucky in both my movies. I've never had like the actor where I have to like really pull performance from like i've just been like i've just gotten these bangers like nonstop. uh and caitlin it was just like you know take one it's good take, take two is good like honestly we would do like has to do multiple takes because like clouds covered something sure. you know it's like stuff like that it was never like caitlin so there's that aspect of it and then in terms of the no dialogue thing you know because you're shooting shot to shot it doesn't feel in the moment different you know because a lot of action or a lot of movies don't have someone talking necessarily um like it can be like, okay, you're going to go from the left side of the room to the right side of the room because there's someone entering the house and it takes two seconds to, you know, it's two seconds worth of film. And you're like, well, yeah, of course she wouldn't talk in that moment. And then it would be mostly in, as we were winding down the shoot and then our editor was kind of starting to, to work on the movie. Um, that's when it became like, oh, there's really no fucking talking. <laughs> like, so that became, and then, and then it became Caitlin, what Caitlin was doing was more impressive because she was tracking everything so specifically in a way that I feel like I probably need to get better at as a director. Although I probably won't have a similar example or a similar scenario to this movie on another movie, but it was that she's able to track and she kind of knows my eyes were doing this three days ago. Now that, yeah, that this emotional continuity kind of thing. And you know, as a, I'm looking more big picture on the day um, and then the performance is great. So I'm like, it'll, you know, I'm not the biggest stickler for like it has to match kind of thing as long as if it's good, it's good, you know? Um, and then it would match and you, I would be like, Oh shit. Like Caitlin is really just, she, and she, I would, sometimes you move scenes around, uh, or shots around like that, like a shot that might've been fourth planned might suddenly become the second shot, uh, in post. And like Caitlin would always <laughs> call it out. She's like, that wasn't the performance I was giving on, on the day. Like that was supposed to be later. And you're like, dude, like, that is the only level. you will ever notice, but it's also crazy that like nine months later, you're like, my eyes are telling a different story. Sure. And that she cares <laughs> and that she cares oh, enough. Yeah, too. And she's yes. a producer on the movie too, but it's just like, you're just like, Hey, you're just like, I mean, there's like tons of 
shit in the movie that I care like that about. Um, but with Caitlin, it's just like, uh, you know, like you re- you remember where your eyes are. It's all the feeling, nuance, yeah. And you know what that looks like. Like I wouldn't know. I, I see a picture of myself and I get confused. Let yeah. alone like if I'm watching myself in a movie and then being like, well, it works, but like the the shots that if you use a later shot than it's supposed to be, so it's not quite what it's um, playing. Um, and you're just like, it's like, and it would be it'd be like a t- you know close up of her face. Did she, uh, so yeah. she helped in the editing process? Was she like, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, well, I would tell her one. it's fine. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> I, I would I would push back a little bit on on those kind of notes. Sure. And she wasn't like, you have to change yeah, it yeah, or yeah. anything like that. But I always was just amused. And I think she knew I was amused and then kept telling me when it happened. Um, but yeah, no, she she gave tons of notes the, the whole... That's incredible. The whole time. Um, nice. And is, yeah, I mean, but she's, it's it's very literally her movie. <laughs> so, you know, I think... Not that she was, cons- I don't think she was concerned, but I, it, it just felt like it would be crazy if I was like, oh, here's the finished movie, bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, and also because I just got to know and value her so much while shooting. Um, and she just had so many amazing ideas that are in the movie that it was just kind of like, why? Yeah, like you're going to make the movie better, you know, in post. So please help me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In terms of like the video, uh, visual effects, this movie made me think of um, Lee Wonell's The Invisible Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's that a kitchen scene. Oh, that's cool. The, the fight yeah. scene. Yeah. Like, we didn't find out till what, six months later, how it was done. And they showed a, hey, there was a guy wearing a green suit right. that was literally picking up Elizabeth Moss off the ground. <laughs> right. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I thought it was all like a wires and she's right. banging around. But it's like, that, that blew my mind, you know? So I kept thinking about this movie. I'm like... How are some of these scenes like there's paranormal stuff where we don't see the grays and then there are the grays and there's this, yeah. this destruction and things opening, closing and moving. And yeah. Like how were some of these effects done? Was it somebody in suit or was it all just visual We had effects? a little bit of everything for all the different scenarios. It, you know, we had a guy in a, the blue leotard and you shoot plates with him and then you shoot plates without him as if mm-hmm. he wasn't there. And then we would have some of the, the stunt rigging where it's like, you know. He's interacting with this. So we have to have a wire pull something. But like the, the scene where he like uh puts the phone back on the receiver. It's like, uh, we shot like a phone getting picked up and put back on. And then I think the phone is CG now, but it's based on the shot of the phone getting put back on. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's all the different tricks of the trade. And there's sometimes where it's, uh, you know, it's like they're literally physically like interacting with Caitlin. And so that's like a person in a suit, but then, we also have like there's a, a scene where an alien falls on top of Caitlin um, and she had to do a take where a man falls on top of her and she's struggling with that. And then we had to do a scene where there's no man on top of Caitlin, but she has to act like she like a like a you know 150 pound man has fallen on top of her. Um, and it was inc- like it was incredible. Uh, and again, like speaking of the acting superpower, like it's always like she was very like this is going to look really silly. And. And then testing the movie looked very silly. Um, but, and then by the end of it, you're like, you would never, you never think about it, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's every, you know, everything we could do. And then our budget's not big either. And so a lot of it was very planned out because it would be like, okay, like this alien scene or the set piece can only have, we can only afford five shots of the alien. And then you're kind of working backwards about like, okay, well I have, five shots and then it has to be so clear and so cleanly told that 
it has to work. <laughs> you know, like I can't. So there's not not a lot of bullshit camera twirly stuff in here. Part of it is probably fear on on my behalf of being like, hey, that's going to cost more. And it's more time to shoot. And I only have five shots. And if that shot is really cool, will it distract somebody from understanding what's going on? Because they're just like, oh, that camera is really cool. And then will they just get lost? Because there's not going to be Caitlin being like, and this is why that's happening. Um, <laughs> and so it became very um, like, okay, we got to just be really blunt with the camera because people need to be able to follow it. And then also, it was always meant for Hulu. And so uh, knowing that, you know, in like uh, an hour, people are going to watch it on their phones and shit. It was like, okay, like, how does it look on their phone? So if it's early oh, camera stuff, are you like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. <clears throat> as opposed to if you're like, it's a medium of an alien, you're like, I, I, I can follow. So it's not necessarily as sexy, but you can understand the story. Uh, and then the CG kind of followed suit after that, where it was just kind of like, okay, like these are we have five shots so they have to look blunt and like look like this and we have to understand everything Caitlin's character is understanding in this scene and that if we get a little too fancy it's going to be a problem um, or it could be a problem because I can't get people back once you lose them on this movie because there's not that ADR moment um, and so it just became it sounds complicated and stressful but it's the most fun too where you're just like you know Five shots of an alien. Like, what are let's they going to think be? of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's um, make him. Let's make everyone a home run. It's funny. Yeah. Trevor, Trevor, Lauren, and I were talking, and we were discussing how the little things of a set design of her house made us feel uncomfortable. Oh, cool. Like, uh, we thought of what is the movie reference? It follows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it follows has some weird things. Oh, yeah, where it's like a weird future. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. Like, she's got a rotary phone. I already yeah. feel I already feel disturbed. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> There's <laughs> the nobody letting you online that knows what that is. <laughs> yeah, the, the rotary phone thing that we talked. It's and I'm curious now that it, it's coming out. How many people are gonna be like, where's her fucking cell phone? Yeah. We had a B where she had like a cell phone like hidden like in a drawer, but it was, the battery was dead, and then there's no power in the house. But it was for us. It was this idea of, um, uh, like a thirty. Like again, the ten year old wanting to be a thirty year old. It's like a lot of people would be like no phone at the dinner table, like none of that kind of stuff. So she's probably, there's an element where it's like uncouth to have a cell phone. Uh, but then also because of her backstory and because of how the town feels about her, it's similar to how I feel about reading reviews and, and, and comments where it's like, it's a very dangerous slippery slope to be on, on Twitter and be like Bryn Adams and see what pops up. And so it just became a matter of like, she has a computer that she uses for work and it stays in that room and it never leaves that room. And then it just became like, okay, without the internet, like I, you know, I, I, there's temptations to be masochistic that I don't have. Um, and I don't have an online presence. So people probably won't find out who I am. And so it just kind of, it stemmed from that. And then it was just like, oh yeah, but then absolutely, uh, you know, you can have so much fun with the rotary phone because, uh, you get the classic like tap tap tap. Oh, the phone line's yeah. gone because that's the first thing you think of is like call for help. Um, but then also like you don't an alien's not picking up a cell phone. But you the the scene in the movie where like the phone freaks out at her, she drops it, and then the alien like calmly picks it up and puts it back on on the receiver. You're like that that feels like a movie as opposed to if it. It's a fucking iPhone on the ground and an alien picks it up. You're like, you know. <laughs> exactly. And also, like, I we had a bunch of cell phones because it was teenagers and spontaneous, and it's the fucking worst. It is so awful to shoot 
and um it's just and it's so boring like it's all every version of it's terrible like they have to boring. fucking green screen their phones or do whatever program what goes on them show them what you're gonna show yeah, and then it just became like oh, i'm gonna have to do scenes where she's plugging in plugs yeah and the phone's not charging and is the phone broken or like it, it just was like uh, it's just like so much weird leg work yeah as opposed to and they but also we came to the rotary phone because of a character place as opposed to uh and then like the fun of the of the the scare and everything came from from that um as opposed to it being like well i just hate cell phones yeah. and i do but um I, I very early on i was just like if she has a phone she's like a 20 year old girl who has a very checkered past and she's just gonna google herself and yeah. just hate herself and so much of the movie but when we meet her is she's working really hard to enjoy what little life she thinks she deserves. And so that was important to just, even in that kind of a character space, just be like, yeah, she's not gonna have the internet because the internet is cursed. And, uh, we'll just kind of even, even beyond that, we'll just remind her of what she doesn't think she deserves in terms of relationships or sure porn or you know it's like whatever it could be you know that she will not be a part of her life um so why have that why have that hurt in your house yeah. but then i got to give her the phones yeah yeah it's brilliant <laughs> but also like it also made me think of like you know there's a lot of influencers influencers who yeah. live who live like that right yeah and that like wind back the clock you know strip away a lot of tech live in an old victorian home with the rotary phone, yeah, with no TV or it's hidden, you know. So it's yeah, you know. yeah, and it's been funny like seeing because the movie doesn't explain itself verbally it, it, how people have been uh, like it's it, it does throw people for a loop where it's just like it's the period movie and then it's but it's not a period movie and then it's it's a period movie yeah. and then it's like I love it. There's a flat screen, um, and it's I think it's. Not and we cut some stuff out of of that first few minutes just because it was context for that as opposed to her and it just all of a sudden you're like I'm watching a scene that's explaining why she has this big house well, you know because her it was her mom that's where she grew up and then it just starts you just start thinking about her mom and then you start going like well is her mom related to Maud uh, and it just became like it, because no one's telling you what to think. It's awesome that you were going. <laughs> and people were just going fucking everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was like, okay, we just have to give people as little to think about as possible. Um, because there's so much to think about, but it has to be exactly what we're trying to get people to think about. And that that was a very tough part of the edit, where people were just like, even like, and I if I had to do it over, I would probably. I don't know what I would do because it's, it's a complicated thing, but like we try losing like the mom's headstone um, at the start of the movie. Uh, Cause then the mom was like kind of peppered through it a little bit more just as like an idea of a character. People got so confused by the mom and then we took out the headstone and people, no one brought up the house and why she has that house. And we took out the headstone and everyone was suddenly like, are the people mad at her because she's in that house? Like, how does this young girl have this house? Yeah. And then just having like, her mom is dead at the start. Maybe people go, Oh, it's probably her mom's house. <laughs> like yeah. It just kind of instantly took away like a question that like cutting it out. You never think about it in the talkie. Sure. Um, because it's like, well, what they're talking about is what we're thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. They can explain to. plot points and stuff that uh, way. Or not yeah. even explaining it, but just like, this is what they're talking about. So I understand to pay attention to what they're saying. And then yeah. without that, people were just, 
you know, go off like fireworks about a hundred different things. And so it was a really, so we even like CG'd the text on the headstone because originally it was like mother to Brynn, wife of Hugh. And then everyone thought Hugh was going to show up at some point and like save the day, which is probably misogynistic. Um, but like everyone's just like, well, you introduced that there is a dad and it's like, well, of course there's a d- fucking dad. Like that's how people work. Um, but just the idea of like this woman was married and like Brynn had a father just having it articulated and not having a gravestone with him. W- people were just like at the end of the screenings, would just be like, where's her dad? Like we, the whole movie, it was a setup and it was, it's not a setup. It was the only thing you read in the movie. So you attached and then, yourself and then, you. and then you didn't have dialogue. And so everyone was just like, where's Hugh? And it's just like, I don't, I just, I assume she's married. Like, right. You know? Right. Um, I lo- see. Yeah. I loved all those. A- I loved all yeah. those aspects that there was questions, and I had to. Yeah, but it was. It worked. There's a lot of work to get to have people think in the right ballpark. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I get it. I get it. <laughs> response. Just so much discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Good discussion. Yeah. yeah. And it was trying to get it to be good discussion, and because of, for a while it would just be people making up because it, we had to really hold their hand, or else it would make up a totally different. Movie. movie and like yeah. we would test it and like some people would just like be talking and you're like why are you fucking like that's not in the movie like scenes like they would be like i hated this scene where this happens and i'm like i would probably hate it too it's but it's but not, it's not there. The <laughs> but it's like people would just it was like this weird wow. like and other people would like agree and it was like this weird like mandela effect kind of thing where that's it was just cool, like though. some kind of pinball happened and then we had to like work about like there, I can't remember what the exact scene was, but it was a scene that people hated. That's not never a shot, never in the movie. And we had to like figure out the chemistry of the cut to be like, why are people thinking this happens? And it was it was the weirdest thing to like edit out a scene that doesn't exist. That's fascinating. <laughs> That's fascinating. You're yeah. materializing and conjuring scenes. Yeah, it was it's it was amazing. really it was really wild. So we had to we did a couple like pickups to change like sentences that are being written because other sentences that we all thought were blunt. We're just like making people, you know, troll, troll away. And then you're just like, Oh, we lost them. And we lost them because we mentioned a Hugh. Yeah. And you're just like, so people are so gone and then get so annoyed that Hugh doesn't show up. Uh, and it was just stuff like that where you're just like, fuck. Okay. Well, do you have a, do you have a Bible that where you actually explain every single character detail, like every plot point, everything with Caitlin. Yeah. Everything with Caitlin is very specific. Right. Uh, cause it was really helpful for, for Caitlin. Uh, and then also the house. Um, so like, you know, if they're like, would she have this? It's like, yes. And we would like, and Ramsey's so such a genius, the production designer. Cause he has stories for everything in the fucking house. Um, and, uh, which is never c- contextualized. Um, but Caitlin can ask, I, signed off on on the story he was telling um and then with the aliens it's a little bit more amorphous because i i got nervous about if i wrote out their plan how human it would feel because i really wanted it to feel like um i want want it to feel alien in a way that like their brain doesn't necessarily have to go a b c d it can be like a five you know just chaos to, to a human but makes sense total sense to them and then also because I wanted, like, there's things that they do that are not, are explained, and Caitlin has no idea why things happened for a good reason for her or for a bad reason for her. And that felt like a really good horror place where they're just, they're not just attack dogs. Like, sometimes they walk away from her. Um, 
or sometimes they take like a prayer break or they don't chase her. Um, and that also being the scary part where she's like, it's not chasing me. Why? Like that almost becomes scarier where she's like, is there something else that I need to be afraid of? Because now this guy's just like, Oh, later I'm going to leave. Um, and that being like a really fun, and it felt like very alien of a place because I feel like a lot of movies, the aliens are like, I'm going to get you. Uh, and it felt like, oh, what if the alien like left? Yeah. And then she's like, am I safe? <laughs> what do I do? Like that being like the terror of like the aliens, alien leaves for a chunk of the, of the movie at the start. And it's just like, I don't know what to do. Like, am I going to screw myself over by shutting the door that it walked out of? Um, and that just felt like a fun thing that I hadn't seen before. But again, speaking like the thing I gave the effects guys is I was like, you know, the guy that walks into her house in the opening has a checklist of things to do. And Caitlin is like nine or 10 on the checklist. Like there's things that are like more important to him because he's always wanted to know what like keys are. And he's like, I got to find out what the fuck these keys are. You know, and that for him is more important than like, I got to deal with the person. And like that just felt like a weird alien brain of like, yeah, I traveled all this way. I know what a fucking person is, but like, I haven't seen this stuff before. Like, cool. I want to check it out. Um, and then there's a, there's an ant that I'll deal with. Um, uh, and so that felt like trying to be, and that was also a push and pull of like, sometimes you lose audiences cause they're just like, I don't understand. And trying to find the balance of them being like, I don't understand. It's scary versus I don't understand. Cause it just feels chaotic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you def- definitely landed on that. I don't understand. It's, terrifying because oh, and this is the, yeah. that's kind of like how i would imagine dealing with an alien logic yeah. would be like, like an exactly example of that is like there's a scene where the first time you kind of see the alien like she's at the fridge um and his hands come up on the fridge door and it's scary and then we had him start like banging the fridge door in like weird rhythmic patterns um because it just felt weird and and scary and like he was communicating with her and he was talking on the other side of it but you just didn't see him um and I liked it and it, people just were just like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, and I was like, well, he's, this is, and I had like a backstory and they were like, it's confusing as opposed to like, if he just like peaks yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, well, that's a better shot. But it was like finding that rhythm of like, yeah, they're doing weird, dumb shit or that feels weird and dumb to us. But for them is very intent, everything's intent done with and specific intent. Um, and makes them feel intelligent. Um, so we had some of that stuff explained out. Um, but like also not really wanting to get into the like, this is the grandmaster. Yeah. That plan. mystique. You keep yeah. the mystique going, which is which great. I know frustrates some people about the ending, but I was just like, they're not telling Caitlin why the ending is happening. Right. Um, and that felt like, you know, that cookie can crumble both ways where sometimes she doesn't know what's happening and it's very bad for her. And then sometimes she doesn't know what's happening and why can't it work out in a positive way and throughout the movie sometimes where they do just leave the room and she has like, you know, it's not like a dumb horror girl moment. It's that what makes it scarier is like if if Jason walks in, sees you, and then turns and leaves, you're like, there's <laughs> probably Freddy behind me. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then if Freddy's not behind you, it's still it's just like, why did that happen? And that that playing with that fear as opposed to um, their attack dogs or whatever else yeah 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 i love that you did that and left left it with uh there's it's definitely rewarding it's a rewarding experience as an audience member as much as you can ponder and meditate on exactly what's going on there is a big reward uh, to me you know to to have both is important i wanted to ask about just the camera 
camera shots in particular, there's some there's some beautiful camera work. I mean, oh, cool. unforgettable moments. There's yeah. a couple like really cool split diopter shots that I love, and close ups on eyes and POV. Oh, there's a really frightening POV uh, camera yeah. play in one scene. Did you storyboard all those moments out? How did that kind of work? Did was there any practical? Uh, aliens involved in the process There's at all. a little, little bit of practical. Um, not as much as I would have loved, but um, you know, the, the the irony is it's like we have so much aliens and then you, puppets have to do specific things. Mm. And so we'd have to have had so many puppets, but then also we were shooting so fast <laughs> that it became impractical to have puppets and our very expensive CG just made more sense. Um, and I also, I, I, have, I had a bunch of buddies go through the process where they would have puppets that basically get painted over, um, which is like a double cost. And, um, and we, our aliens changed a bunch what we shot to versus what they'd wind up doing in the final cut. And we had that flexibility. Um, and it, it would, more puppets would have been a nightmare, which is too bad. And I, I do really want to do more puppet work soon, but, um, yeah, not a ton of alien practical, but there is some. And then, uh, uh, yeah, in terms of the camera, uh, there's the bigger scenes got post viz or pre vised. Um, just basically for a financial necessity to be like, how many shots, budget wise, can we afford of of aliens? Um, but you know, it wasn't based on our house, and and then or like really on our time schedule. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like this would be cool, and then it was like. You have that, and then you kind of chip away and morph that on the page and on the on the day. Um, and then a lot of it was with Aaron, uh, my my DP, um, and I, just being very specific. Like I said about the twirly camera shit, um, which I know we're both dying to ha- have fun with. <laughs> um, but then also, um, really wanting it to feel exper- experiential. Um, of a movie so that it feels like you were holding hands with Caitlin the whole time and so kind of keeping the camera mm-hmm. with Caitlin so that it kind of stemmed with that POV stuff you're talking about yeah. Um, and it just felt like yeah like let's just be very and like there's one there's some sexy shit in there for sure but wanting to just be like okay you're just beside Caitlin yeah um, and Aaron's not a fan of like the uh, like running with you know he likes a, a calm composed camera and I do too and it felt like yeah let's make it classy um and um not too handheld and just you know live in that kind of classic film world um again being like oh if it's really handheld and jason Bourne, it'll probably be exciting but truth matter is you know i sold this movie to hulu and if someone's watching it on their fucking phone is it just going to be chaos as opposed to i see caitlin i don't hear anyone talking but I can see what Caitlin's doing and I understand. And then just that being our, our guiding factor. Yeah. Right, and right. by the way, I, she totally nailed a Tom Cruise run. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was, I told her, I was like, you're going to Tom Cruise. And we talked, we <laughs> talked about Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise. Uh, a ton. And like the big, her big, um, after the bus, her big run, that, that was the first, like first day shooting. And, uh, and I, you know, she's a fit girl. So I'm like, hopefully, she can run, but I hadn't seen her run until that shot um, of her running from the bus. Uh, and then it was kind of, I remember, well, Aaron had COVID, so he was in a, locked in a van. Oh, but I remember yeah. um, uh, kind of everyone being like, 
like a little nervous beforehand. It came and being like, it's going to be fine, guys. Um, and then she did it, and we we're all like, it's a movie. <laughs> like, yeah, That's she fucking great. runs. <laughs> I think there was like the fear, of, and then we heard Henry Conversations like, if she runs a little sloppy, it, you know, we'll probably be okay. You know, because there are ac- actors and actresses that cannot run and they find out on the day. It's like the classic, like, oh, that person can't ride a bike. Um, and you find out that they run and you're just like, oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess happened on stuff I, I've been a part of. Yeah. Uh, and you just like go with it. But I was like, there's so much running. If Caitlin looks, goofy you know, <laughs> just goofy. We're, we're going to have to really lean into, oh, no. into it. Yeah. Um, and then she like took off and we were like, you might not be able to catch her. <laughs> Even if he was running. Like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of remember Sarah Paxton. We talked to her and she revealed that she can't scream. And they'd find out while she's working on a horror movie. She right. sounds oh, like yeah. she says she sounds like a Muppet when she screams, so they'd have to figure something out. <laughs> I've replaced so screams not with not with uh somebody like Caitlin and, and uh Samara Weaving are extremely good screamers. Um like all all the all the shit Sam doesn't ready or not. Um is that Samara um, and then, then Caitlin too is just like you're like hopefully they can scream because there's a lot of it yeah and then it's a, it's a tough movie to re- bring in someone else to scream of course uh, and then yeah she fucking loves screaming <laughs> and oh, it was great <laughs> I saw Tom Woodruff and uh, the ADI crew in the credits for this it's a pretty yeah. pretty heavy hitters so were they involved in, I, I'm assuming in the alien design yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so did you get to sit with them and come up with Zoom stuff or were they them, just yeah yeah, yeah? yeah. It was great. Oh, God, what a trip, man. Yeah. It was fun because I was like, classic gray, but what are the bonus features kind of thing? And so there's a lot of like, does it have to be gray? Like, when do you lose the design? When does that design become Star Wars? Yes. Um, Stuff like that. And then it was just like, how funky can you make it? Like, you know, can they have tattoos and, and it, all that kind of stuff? And some of it's not as evident. Like one of the, there is a tattoo element to some of the aliens, but it's not really... It's a dark, darker movie. So, you know, there's not like sleeves or stuff, but there is stuff that is there, but it's not front and center. But even that felt cool to kind of have little backstories for that design and, um, you know, all that fun shit. Did they get to do maquettes, like actual three-dimensional maquettes? They saw 3D printed, 3D printed, uh, Stefan, our our effects guys, 3D printed, um, crude little ones but not we didn't have like models right yeah. right 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 yeah if chronicle like wants to hit me up or yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right man well we've kept you long enough dude leo you got anything before we uh set him free yeah one last thing yeah we, please we, we talked about this is um i mean you, you mentioned this but throughout the movie you know which i something i loved is that whether the alien was present in her house her neighborhood or not it always felt omnipresent mm-hmm. like it was always around you know and on top of that, it was a spacecraft design, the UFO. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing looked menacing. It looked, it cool. looked, it looked frightening because certain camera angles. Yeah. And how, you know, she's being stalked and free, you know, from, from yeah, yeah, certain yeah. altitudes and all that. It felt it felt scary, man. It felt like good. You know, there's people I, out there they're like, I want to see a UFO. And I'm like, I, I don't. Typically, like, it's yeah, funny. what it would look like. To exactly. Me. It's funny. I typically hate drone camera shit. Uh, and then there's a ton of it in this. And I got to justify it because I couldn't afford, um, I couldn't, I couldn't be nope. Um, you know, because that element at least is similar with the, the ship. Um, 
I think it excelled that. Oh yeah, that, to me, this is everything. Oh, I, I hope yeah. Nope was going to be. No, this, I, this, I, this, I love, yeah. I love Jean Jacket. Uh, yeah. I won't, I won't, I won't allow you guys to slander. But I'll <laughs> hey, say, I'll say, I couldn't podcast. afford. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't afford. I couldn't afford that. Um, and, or just like those big expansive shots kind sure. of thing. Um, just also because we were in the woods and that it, you know, we just didn't have that. Um, and so pretty early on, I, I caved to the drone thing. And then I think it really helped because it is the ship's POV basically, um, which felt very funny. And it's, I think it's funny that it's like, it's always like very like calm and just directly smack dab over her. <laughs> um, and it's meant to be like, Oh yeah, it's the ship or it's one of the ships just kind of like, you know, it's like the right. tracker. Um, uh, yeah, but that was that was a fun. And then the UFO too. It was like I wanted a fucking UFO because when you see the UFO, you know what the danger is in terms of the light beam in the center right, uh, right off the bat. So when Caitlin sees it, she starts freaking out because she's like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna get sucked up!" Right, right. Um, yeah. Like you just have seen enough lore that, that you know that. Um, but then it was like, okay, well, what else can this thing do that can be? Oh, just a fun surprise. Like it doesn't narratively have to like change the movie, but it does. It, it was like, it was like our goal was like every time you see something, how does it make Caitlin's life worse? Um, and that was, you know, in terms of what this ship winds up doing. Um, uh, but again, that's another example where the ship comes and the ship's like, Oh fuck it. He fucked up. I'm out. And then like leaves. And, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't feel frustrating where it's like, you could have just focused and gotten her. Um, but in terms of it being like, we don't know why they leave in that moment, but it's, there's clearly a mistake has been made and then they're just kind of, they're just like, well, we have to go do something else now and we're going to go do something else now. Yeah. As opposed to feeling like the, you know, the killer let her get away on purpose kind of thing. Right. Play, um, yeah. Cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was, a, that was a ton of, of fun too. Well, so moving forward, uh, anything other uh, insane projects down the pike as director? No, I don't. I finished this just coincidentally with our, our production calendar, like the uh, week before the strike. Wow. Um, so then the strike happened and I collapsed. Um, and then the summer has just been a great family summer. Of, good. Uh, yeah. With the kids and stuff. Cause you know, making a movie is so hard and, and all encompassing and it feels like it can become adulterous in terms of it being like, you know, I'm gone. Yeah. Even when I'm not shooting, I'm gone, you know, 15 hours a day plus. And so it's been really nice to have that f- time with my wife and kids and then, uh, be able to decompress from the movie. But then also so much of my job <laughs> gets dependent on how people feel about the movie. And sure. so it's like, you know, if everyone thought it was, shit and i did a bad job with the effects it's like i if my next spec was visual effects related i'm fucked uh like i need to go back duplass style um uh and so also they're just being like this it's funny like this movie everyone was great about this movie but like you know and i I don't know how people are going to feel about the movie but like so much of the process of it there's no aliens um so i just didn't even know how the movie felt Mm -hmm. until like the very end basically uh, and that was very stressful. And so there's just been a lot of decompressing of like, I did make a movie with aliens in it. Like for a while, I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, it's been a lot of like good 
brain turned off time yeah i've been playing video games and you deserve it man you gotta <laughs> consume shit. to yes. create right yeah. it's important that's great Just man. endless yes. lies of pee yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh but yeah it's been it's been good but yeah and then you know soon i need to start discovering um sure. but it's been i just like the first time i took a break in like like i probably took like three weeks off for like my honeymoon and the birth of my kids and stuff but like never like like this and it was it was really needed so yeah uh everyone else is going to show back up with like a ton of work done when the strike is over and i'm going to be like uh you know oh dude man you deserve (laughs) it you you made the quintessential alien invader movie man you did amazing amazing you deserve it all right well boo crew listener there you go there's so much to discover with this film it's total brain candy in all aspects and is profoundly scary Uh, see no one will save you on hulu now and do yourself a favor and take it in on the biggest screen and the best sound system you can find because yeah loud it's extraordinary journey as all brian's work is mr duffield thank you so much for doing what you do man this was such a treat (laughs) it's awesome man thank you (laughs) And that was the Buku Podcast, episode 401. Thank you for being the most important part of it. Thanks to our guest, Brian Duffield. At time of release, seeing No One Will Save You exclusively on Hulu. It is unsettling and terrifying and everything you could possibly want it to be. Enjoy it this weekend. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, for myself, Lauren, and Leo, it is the Buku saying... Sweet screen. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.